This episode of Light Source is brought to you by Squarespace.com. For fast, easy publishing of a professional website, check out photographers.squarespace.com slash ls. And when you sign up, use the promo code LS1 to receive a 10% discount. Hey, this is David Bean again in Nashville, Tennessee, still, and you are listening to Light Source, the brightest podcast on the internet. Welcome to episode 74 of Light Source, the official podcast of StudioLighting.net, website introducing photographers to portrait and studio lighting equipment and techniques. I'm Bill Crawford, publisher. And I'm Ed Hidden, exclusive photographer with iStockphoto.com. On today's episode, we're going to have an interview, a return interview with David Bean. He is at VisualReserve.com. And he is a photographer from Nashville. He does a lot of celebrity, musician, advertising, and lifestyle work. We had him on an earlier show, probably about eh, a little over a year ago. And he's going to return and we'll be finding out about what he's going to be doing. We're about ready to give him a call. But before we do, one thing that popped up on my iPod the other day was the Chase Jarvis high-speed photography video that he just put out. That was amazing. It was really cool, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It was almost like a how-to of how they did some of the kung fu photos that they did on the last video that we had talked about. And I just love Chase's stuff. It's just really cool. Absolutely. And it was really neat to watch them behind the scenes. It really, I think you get a lot of insight into how they made some of those special effects. To me, it's interesting because so many people are just doing digital stuff. I mean, he's shooting all digital, but his effects, like they really work to make them real. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that, yeah I know what you're saying. It's, it's not CGI water. Yeah, it's not or anything. fake. Yeah, exactly. It's real water, but it's composited, but it's real splashes and things like that. And that makes it all that more realistic. But I think the thing that's great for studio photographers or people interested in studio photography to watch with this is how Chase talks about a lot of these stop action shots. They left the shutter open and triggered the image by the flash duration. And, and so many times it's it's an odd thing for people to get used to because strobes are so powerful that it really it doesn't matter much what your shutter setting is. It's, it's how fast your flash will recycle to actually stop the action of the image. So that was one interesting point for people to, to go ahead and check out and just another thing to, to mess with their minds when they're trying to figure out this whole studio lighting thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is one of the harder things to get your head around. It's a great reason to watch the video, though. We got to tie it back to studio lighting, you know. Of course. <laughs> Speaking of lighting, we had the Mac group on the show uh, the other week, and I just want to let everybody know that they are also on Twitter now, so you can stay up to date with all the stuff that's going on with the Mac group, with this iconic and Profoto and Pocket Wizard line of lighting gear. They're going all social, aren't they? It's all social, buddy. <laughs> it is. It's the future. That's right. Well, kind of another version of social on uh, blogging, for well, especially Adobe blogging. John Knack on Adobe has a blog, and he had a post uh, just a few days ago that startled me, or concerned me, I guess I should say. It reminded me of an old change that they did with Illustrator back in the day when I was an Illustrator. I forget exactly what rev of uh, Illustrator it was, but I remember when they changed the keyboard shortcuts, and it just threw me for a loop, and I was like completely unproductive for like a month until I could figure out <laughs> all my keyboard shortcuts cuts were well it looks like they did it with cs4 oh really yeah it looks like a lot of them like the setting the zoom level to 100 is now command one or control one instead of command option zero oh wow 
I mean, although it does say that that one's still supported as a duplicate, I can imagine that at some day they would probably remove that to try and get people used to using the new Command 1. But yeah, there's a lot of different things that, I think there's about like five here that are marked as different, and then they go on with a whole bunch of other things that are slightly different. So that's interesting. That's definitely worth reading. I bet those decisions are hard to make for those guys. I'm sure it is huge. And well, just an example, like the beginning of the post, he starts out saying, by and large, keyboard shortcut changes suck. Um, <laughs> mature tools like musical instruments just don't go moving piano keys or cello strings without any great need to do so. Right. So they definitely realize, hey, you know, it's, it's an evolving tool. It hasn't been around decades. It's been around, what, a decade, decade and a half, something like that. That's about right. Wow. So it's still pretty young in terms of tools that are out there. So I guess it's still time for them to to finesse things and move them and tweak them. Although it doesn't really seem like it's it seems like it's been out forever. I know. It's kind of funny to hear someone say that. It's like, I think of Photoshop as a very mature tool. Right. I think of Lightroom as a baby. I guess, but yeah, when you think of the big scheme of things, though, both of them are relatively young. Yeah. Well, like the interwebs. And like the interwebs. Since I mentioned Lightroom, website that I just found while Googling around looking for stuff for today's show, there's a website called presetsheaven.com. And it's called Your Source for Free Presets. So it's definitely something to check out for Lightroom users. That's part of the fun of Lightroom, right? You can get all kind of free custom adjustments. There are so many nice, quick adjustments, and especially building your own and then being able to apply them so quickly to other images. I mean, I've processed stuff so quickly. It's I have no need to move to Photoshop CS4 at this point. CS2 just works just fine for me for everything that I do, just because Lightroom just gets me through everything so much quicker. Excellent. We'll have to check that out for sure. Well, I guess the last little thing that I wanted to mention before we get into the actual interview is that you and I were interviewed. But this time it was a text interview. Still, if you uh, don't get enough of us in the audio version, you want to hear a little bit about stuff behind the scenes with the show and with StudioLighting.net, you can check that out at don'tboxusin.com. And we'll put a link to that on show notes for this episode. On this edition of Light Source, we have with us this evening return guest David Bean. He is a photographer from Nashville, Tennessee. He does a lot of music and celebrity and advertising and lifestyle work. And th- thanks for coming back on the show, David. Oh, it's my pleasure. I uh, keep up with you guys from time to time. And you guys have had a lot of really good guests since I've been on and even before that. So it's an honor always to be back. Well, it's definitely good to have you back. I, we had mentioned a couple of weeks ago that you had uh, redesigned your website. And we really love the look of everything. It has a really good identity to it. Yeah, thanks. The last one I um, actually designed myself and had an ex-employee of mine build it. And this time I just, I mean, I haven't designed anything in like four years. And I don't know, I can't really design to save my life anymore. So I actually paid <laughs> this time to have a site built. And and so the guys at uh, Contraflage here in Nashville did a really, really good job. And I, I art directed it for sure, but they're the brains behind it. So And it runs on yeah. an iPhone and, and any mobile device. It's pretty good. Oh, that's nice. I have yeah. to get an iPhone just to test it now. Yeah. <laughs> One more excuse I can use on my list of reasons why I need to get an iPhone. <laughs> exactly. So you can see my site. <laughs> There you go. Well, I'm sure you had a lot going on since the last time we had you on the show. I believe it was in June of 2007. So uh, yeah. anything interesting happened since then? Well, I mean, it's hard to remember what exactly I was doing then, but uh, <laughs> I've delved quite a bit more into advertising, which was always part of my plan. And I did, you know, I've had 
did a lot back then too, but I've gotten a lot more into that and I've really tried to narrow my focus. As you can see now on the site, there's really only two sections, advertising and celebrity musician. Whereas before my old site, I had like advertising, concerts, even the beards and I had like all these different travel locations and I even had fashion on there once a long time ago and I just, I'm just really trying to just keep it basic and I do two things. I do advertising and lifestyle and celebrity musician and that's pretty much what I do. I mean, I'll still shoot a concert from time to time, but I just really am just trying to focus on these two things and not do anything else. And so I've pretty much just been doing those two things. So now do you think that it's really uh, helped you focus? One of the things I've done is I've always been very diverse with what I shoot. And do you think that focusing on those areas has really helped you develop your brand and uh, maybe art directors identify a little bit better with you now? Yeah, I mean, I've always heard over and over and over from everybody that you need to do just one or two things and stick to that. And I've kind of never adhered to that exactly. And I've always, well, I like to shoot this and I like to shoot that. And I've always had a problem, I think, in the past of trying to be too diverse. And it was hard for me to even take off like the X Games section. I was like, oh, well, no one's going to ask me to shoot, you know, action sports. <laughs> no one's going to ask me to shoot concerts anymore. But then I'm like, you know what? First of all, it's not where the money is. And second of all, that's not really what I enjoy doing. I enjoy doing lifestyle and advertising. And I enjoy doing these musician and celebrity portraits. And that's what I enjoy doing. And consequently, as it pays the most, the stuff I shoot. So there's a hard bullet to bite and you really got to kind of trust yourself. But I did it. And part of it is like, you know, I don't know if you guys read a photo editor's blog. Yeah, Rob Haggard. Yep. I don't always agree with everything he says, but I think he knows more than I do about the photo industry. He's been doing it for years. And he talked once about how if he's hiring someone to shoot a man, he'll hire photographers that pretty much only shoot men. And if he's hiring someone to shoot a woman, he'll look up these photographers that primarily only shoot women. And that's just such a foreign concept to me. I don't totally agree with the fact that you can't hire a photographer to shoot a man that mainly shoots women. But that's a partial truth of how the photography world is that I've come to realize over the last couple of years is that people hire you because of like one or two things that you do. And they're not ever going to hire someone for advertising that does 10 things. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, so, that makes sense. It's been a learning process and, you know, I've just been really trying to hone it down and keep it simple. So have you found that there's a difference in your clientele since you've done that? Yeah, I mean, advertising to me is the holy grail of photography because it's the big budgets. It's where the money is. And, and it's not just about money, but when you have more money, you have more of a playground to play with. You know, you can say, I want to bring in the circus elephants and the demolition cars and the ladies dressed with, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Whereas, you know, if you're shooting some other stuff, it's like, well, you've got, you know, $500 to work with for expenses. <laughs> right. Yeah, the clients are much better in advertising and even focusing on the higher echelon of musicians and celebrity types. It's just when you have a bigger playground and, I don't know, almost more pressure, it just really makes me come alive. So Do you find that you're thriving in, in sort of an upper tier of work? Yeah, I mean, I'm not claiming to do like upper tier work. I'm not Norman Jean Roy or anything, but like I'm comparatively I'm to where I have been. I think I'm slowly climbing that ladder and I'm, I'm not saying I've arrived or anything. I'm just saying that through some wise decisions I've made, I see that clients getting better and, and it's just more rewarding and more fun and it is more stress, but I kind of enjoy that aspect of it. Have you made any staff changes or anything since you've gotten into some of these larger jobs? Not really. I mean, since we last spoke, I now have a pretty huge studio. Like last time we spoke, I was just about to move into the studio. Like maybe a month or two after we spoke last in June, I uh, moved into a 4,000 square foot studio in downtown Nashville. Nice. And originally shared it with a guy who I rented from. Like I had an office in there and he had an office and he had the lease in the place. And then uh, about four or five months ago, 
he just decided that he didn't really want to hold the lease anymore. So he left and I took the place completely over and now it's all mine. And it's like having a second mortgage, but, uh, but it's worth it. And so I've got, now I've got the new studio. My main assistant, Ben Hancock was my main assistant back then. He's still my main guy. He's still learning a lot too. And he's got a website, benhancockphoto.com. And, uh, he's got more of a New York fashiony kind of style and, and it's just good to keep having him and other guys I work with. I don't really have like a paid staff. I just work with freelance assistants and Ben does some of our retouching too, not post work, but like facial and wrinkles and stuff like that for me. So I'm still kind of a me and my wife, two people kind of show, but excellent. Before we get too far away from the business side of things, with doing advertising and lifestyle work, have you noticed much of a, a change in the budgets of a lot of advertising stuff, given the, the current economic stuff going on? I guess, to put it this way, I had an insanely good year, a slamming year. I mean, I was shooting three, four times a week. And then as soon as September rolled around, it's been a dramatic change. Right about the exact same time as, I don't know, people started freaking out, <laughs> which is what I attribute <laughs> most of this economic collapse to is fear. Right. I think a lot of it is real, but I think a lot of it is just people panicking, and that's making it a lot worse. But ever since September, I've seen a drastic slowdown, and so things are kind of tight right now. So it's not a matter of budgets getting smaller, it's just a matter of the work becoming more scarce. I think it's going to tick back up. No matter who wins the election, I think it's going to tick back up in six months or so. But I see a lot of clients using stock right now instead of shoots. So, you know, iStock's probably going to make a killing. <laughs> so, um, but there's still a lot of work to be had. You just got to be smart. You know, I am not a quitter. So I just trying to figure out new ways and new angles and that, you know, the go behind the shoot thing, which, you know, that I'm doing, that's another way to not just generate some revenue, but just kind of brand myself a little better. And I'm just trying to think of any way, you know, a little secret weapon I've got that I can put into play now that the economy's slowing down. So that's great advice. Yeah, it's all about marketing, getting your name out there and stuff. And I, I was wondering with bigger commercial photographers and stuff, because I've always noticed that with the ad business, it always seems like the magazine production isn't slowing down and there's no shortage of advertisements that are out there. So it, it's kind of a recession-proof industry. I was just curious how the photography aspects to it usually uh, um, hold up. I mean, no, I actually just shot for a company that has the most recession-proof industry. I shot for Corrections Corporation of America. They own all the prisons. <laughs> they own the <they> <laughs> like most of the prisons in the United States. I did a CEO headshots for them and stuff, and they were telling me that their industry is, is recession-proof And because when the economy goes south, people commit crimes. Oh, no. So, <laughs> That's not um, good. Here's what I've been kind of seeing, and I was preaching this stuff long before the 5D Mark II ever came out, but in my opinion, and I mean, this is going to sound like a, maybe a broken record to some people, but trust me, and you can ask my close friends, I've been preaching this message for three years now, is that paper is dying. I don't think paper will ever be dead. I don't think we'll ever completely do away with magazines. But I remember reading about e-paper. I'm, 10 years ago, I remember reading about it and how someday we're all going to be on commuter trains instead of reading a magazine or the newspaper, reading a rolled up plastic sheet of paper that you just kind of unroll, hit a button and it downloads the daily news. You hit a button, it goes to the next page. And that is more video. And even on the web now, advertising is really web-centric. The money to be made in advertising now is on the web because you can show video. And so I've been really looking at for years now, seeing video as not a threat to photography, but something more of like an evolution because as soon as the internet bandwidth opens up and as soon as those internet pipes can handle the kind of bandwidth that we all dream about when we're all watching TV and movies on, the, on our computers and stuff, you won't have these still images anymore. You'll have, it'll be all video. Why would someone pay for and develop a still image on the web when they can have a video? And the same thing for these e-papers and 
other things. So I'm a little worried about the future of advertising for still photography, but not totally. I just feel like we all need to be really creative and we all need to be forward thinking and maybe even get in the video. I don't know. I just think that, you know, just like Amtrak back in the day when uh, trains were big and everything was about trains and then airplanes come along and buses and everything, the train companies, they didn't realize that they're not a train company. They're a uh, transportation company. And it's not about trains. It's about transportation. So... Mm. As photographers, we need to kind of think the same way. We're image makers. We're not just photographers. And if that means we have to adapt in the video or whatever, then we ought to at least have our minds open to that. Right. Well, that's a really interesting perspective. As a result of that kind of thinking, are, are you doing a lot of video stuff? I mean, I know, I know that you were just back from a video shoot. Yeah, I just spent three days as a DP on two music videos and a DP is a director of photography, or in the movies, you call it a cinematographer, where you basically, the director gives you his vision, and you then choose the camera, the lenses, you frame the shots, you kind of compose the shot to fit the director's vision. And so I just spent three days doing that for a band called December Radio. In the past, I have directed a video for Jars of Clay, and I've directed a commercial spot for Nikki Taylor. So I've, I've had my hands in that arena a little bit, and I don't really like video as much as photography. It's, I love the frozen moment, the moment capture in time rather than a bunch of stills and a bunch of frames all put together to video. But I just want to make sure that my mind is open and that, that if, I don't know, I just want to make sure that I'm not left behind if the transition happens like I think so. I really don't like video, so I, I, I would much rather be a photographer. And I, I hope I get to be a photographer forever, but I think it's good to at least know a little bit about both. No, I, I think that's probably prudent. Now, do you yeah. find that certain things that you do in your still photography career have lent themselves well to the video? And are, are there other things that are challenges because of the way that you are used to shooting? You know, it's weird because doing this DP work on these music videos was very similar to photography because you're basically framing a shot, except you're not clicking a shutter. You're having to deal with like a bazillion other things on this camera that <laughs> frame rates are completely different. And lighting, I mean, I did a, I, my assistant Ben was a lighting director on it, but I also had my hands in the lighting as well. And it's just so different video lighting from photography lighting. It really did give me a headache. I enjoyed it. <laughs> but I, I even told Ben, I said, this makes me enjoy photography so much more. <laughs> Because the video was such a such a headache, but I've even changed the way I've shot photography a little bit, even since we've talked last. My back has been really jacked up in the last year just from shooting so much, and so now I primarily shoot with a monopod all the time. Now it gives my back a relief, and I never really thought about it before. That like you just get a monopod and put your camera on it, and you don't have to hold the camera. Nice, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, I've done a lot of little things to change up the way I move around and think. And I mean, my overall style is pretty much the same, but, and I've, I've changed my lighting style a little bit too. I never want to like deviate from my style, but I'm always trying to find new ways to get there. Okay. So what does that mean in practical terms? Have you changed your equipment? I mean, I know one, one big thing I want to talk to you about is the fact that your studio has some amazing natural light. Yeah, it does. Um, Compliments. I have the 1DS Mark III now, and I just sold my 1DS Mark II. 1DS Mark II is my backup camera. I sold that. I'm going to get a 5D Mark II to be my backup camera now. So that'll be a nice backup for my Mark III. But the Mark III, the 1DS Mark III, does so amazingly well at like ISO 800 that when you're in that studio, or anywhere for that matter, and you want natural light, man, you can just crank that ISO to 800 easily. I mean, you don't even need it in that studio, but if you just want that shutter speed or whatever you want, that camera just allows allows anything. It just, it makes even the darkest situation look amazing. Supposedly the 5D Mark II is even better. So, oh. but yeah, I have done a lot more natural light. I've 
got back into beauty dishes, I like them really close, as close as a dish can be without being in the actual shot. It's, I've just come to love that. And I'm still shooting with the Pro Photo and the Alien Bees. Still loving the Alien Bees. I still think they're amazing products. Still loving the Pro Photos even more, though. And <laughs> oh, I bought the uh, Ellen Chrome 7 foot Octobank. Oh, wow. Um, and that's become my new best friend as well. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah. When you shoot, I've got a couple of follow-up questions about when you mentioned some things that I'm curious about. When you say that you bring beauty dishes in really close, are you generally, when you're dealing with those, I have two questions. One is, what size are you typically talking about, like 22-ish? It's a 22 Pro Photo okay. beauty dish. And then do you have any kind of modifiers on it? I actually have a the Pro Photo dish with a white lightning sock on it, but I don't always use the sock. Sometimes I do. I spent one day where I just, me and a couple of my assistants, just spent an entire day just trying different conditions for like the dishes. And so oh, I got another thing I do, I'll tell you about too. But and one of the tests I did was I put the dish like insanely close, got the exact f-stop in shutter speed. Then I backed it up a little bit with the exact same f-stop in shutter speed. Then I back, I just tried all these different lengths and everything. And I just have found that the fall off when that dish is close, it's so gorgeous. I just absolutely love it. And then the other thing that I've been shooting a lot, also this is kind of a video style as well, is I've been using silk. Like on this lifestyle shoot I just did for these multi-million dollar condos here in Nashville, we were shooting by the pool outside and I just take like a 12-foot silk, stick a 1,200-watt pro photo head behind it and that head goes into that silk and it's like a 12-foot, I don't know, it's just like the sun. It's just gorgeous. <laughs> I do that in the studio too, though. We'll like rig a, a big piece of silk or even a big piece of plastic from Home Depot and just stick lights in it. Well, sometimes we'll bounce them back into it or sometimes you shoot them straight through. But uh, all the guys in New York have been doing this for, you know, a couple of years now. But everyone's got their own little slant on it. Um, some guys shoot umbrellas through them. I prefer a bare head with a reflector. I even try beauty dishes into them, but silks, they just look beaut- breathtaking. So that's like a diffusion panel, I guess, for some people who maybe haven't heard the word silk being from yeah. video. When you said plastic from Home Depot, is it like the just the clear, clear tarp? Clear stuff? Like a clear tarp. Awesome. It makes a pretty good diffusion. I mean, nothing's better than a, than a true piece of silk. I mean, it doesn't have to be China silk. It can be like the synthetic silk. Generally, that, those silks are used to diffuse the sun, which I also use them for too, but they make really nice light diffusion panels. Do you keep your light sources close to the silk or back them up to fill the entire thing? I back panel? them up. I back it up. I'm trying to hold my hand out here. Probably about two feet, but I mean, it depends on the situation. And, right. and you know, like I said before, anyone that tries to tell you there's only one or two ways to light something is an idiot because <laughs> you can literally, you know, there's like an unending, an infinite number of ways to light something. And even, you know, given the silk and the dish, and I mean, there's no wrong way, you know? That's one thing you learn when you do 100 podcasts with different photographers, right, Ed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, when you're using those silks, do you do anything with flagging the edges of the light so that way it doesn't spill out beyond the silk material once, once um, you run out of silk? I haven't had a problem because, you know, I'm typically using like a 12-foot silk, so I don't really have that problem. If I was using a smaller one, I mean, no, I've never really even flagged anything like that. And that 7-foot Octobank, the Chrome, they, they call it the L-Octo, that is sort of kind of the same kind of thing. That's got a diffusion panel on that as well, and that's kind of the same looking light. The fall-off on that thing's gorgeous. That's not the same as a silk, but it's probably like its cousin, maybe. Sweet. Yeah. With that Octobank, do you have any images in your advertising or music collection that were shot with that Octobank that our listeners could look up yep. and if you go to my website you'll see when you come to two sections advertising lifestyle and celebrity musician the one on the left that shot of the couple dining and then if you you can actually click in there and you can see the whole image but that was the uh Ellen Chrome Octobank oh wow yeah 
that's a seven foot octobank with a, you know, I honestly can't remember if it was a pro photo or an alien bee head. That could have been an alien bee head. I honestly don't think it matters. I think the only time it matters, whether it's pro photo or alien bee, is if you're worried about recycle time or flash duration. Obviously, if you can't tell, then it doesn't matter. So <laughs> that's um, amazing. That looks so, so natural. What sort of daylight did you have? It you was know, did you have something kind of overhead? Overcast. It wasn't sunny, that's for sure, because we had to wait for the rain. The building behind them, that's kind of blurred out. Ah, yes. That was my client. This is shot for, in fact, if you go to number four of 28 and five of 28, four and five of these numbers on the right-hand side, Okay. those were for the same client. That number four of 28 right there, that it was either daylight or a silk. But that all was for this client called Icon of the Gulch. And there are these nationals just being inundated with these, like, multi-million dollar downtown high-rises. And, and this was one where I did like a two-day lifestyle shoot for them to sell these condos. And it's like 800 square feet for $350,000. <laughs> and so the shot, the one of the couple eating dinner, that was a restaurant across wow. the street called Zambuca <laughs> and the icon is behind them. So that, that was the idea that shot. But the, that was an Ellenchrome Octobank. And I think the girl by the pool was a silk. Nice. Although the silk was behind her. I think the natural light was on her face. You know, the, the number three of 28, the people at the bar, that was interesting because the couple in the front was lit by a pro photo softbox, but everything else in the back was lit by bouncing heads into the ceiling, which was kind of a uh, goldish color, if I remember. Oh, okay. So then the, the difference of the color of the bounce for the, the people in the back and the lights in the front kind of allowed you to get the separation on them. Yeah, I mean, we just tried a bunch of stuff at that, but I thought that looked the best, so. That's terrific. I mean, I... Your lighting is getting even better as as time goes by. It's amazing. You, I you've been really, really appreciate that. I think it comes from just, I don't know if I told you in the last one, but you know when I first started out, I thought there was a right way, and I thought I had to follow the rules and all this. And I think I've gotten better when I've just relaxed and just said, I'm going to try something. Nice. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to try this. I saw it in a cartoon one, so I'm going to try it and see if it works. <laughs> you know? I see that you're still taking great advantage of backgrounds. It seems like that's something that you really excel at, is finding really cool backgrounds especially on the celebrity musician stuff, on the advertising stuff, you're kind of heavily directed on locations and stuff. But the celebrity musician stuff, when someone hires me, I, I know that they're hiring me to do more than shoot on a seamless just because they've seen my work. And so I painstakingly try to make it an interesting composition. Even though it is about the person, I want to kind of create a composition in the camera rather than just kind of that graphic design thing that we talked about last time. Right. I think one thing that I've always felt about your images is they, they succeed whether you know the celebrity or not. Yeah. Some celebrity photography, you can't really say that about. Yeah, thanks. Along those lines, can we talk about your new studio a little bit? Because I, yeah, yeah. I was looking at some of the photos of it. It's a, It looks like an amazing space. What are some of the things that you love about it? Well, it was called Studio Daylight before I ever got there. And this is very interesting. Do you know who Norman Jean Roy is? Yeah, I know. He, they do a lot of GQ work and... Yeah, he does all Vanity Fair. If you could get him on your show, it would be the best podcast you've ever had. I don't I mean, I don't know if he could be a jerk. I don't know. But, <laughs> but I mean, he is definitely one of the top five photographers in the country. He's up there with Leibovitz. I mean, he, he's, his day rate, I think, is $45,000 plus expenses. And he is the best of the best. And he started in Nashville, and he's the one that named the studio, Studio Daylight. The studio was actually next door. He, so it's not this exact same studio, but it was in the building next door. And he shared it with the guy who I shared the studio with before he left, and he named it Studio Daylight. So then when they moved it over here, he kept the name. So it's just got the most amazing daylight. And another thing is, of the last year, the guy who had it before me spent like $6,000 on a 20-foot-wide psych wall. Wow. So we've got this $6,000 beautiful 
20-foot wide psych wall that if you wanted to put a band on there and shoot them, you've got all the room in the world. I love all the little things from the XM radio to just the kitchen area. It's um, My office is pretty huge, which a lot bigger than it was before in the other part of the studio. Big equipment closet. And the other thing that I love about it is the sense of community. I mean, we really try to make it a place where people can stop by and hang out. And, you know, I try to mentor people. And not that I don't know everything, but what I do know, I'm willing to share for the most part. So we get a lot of people coming around and just hanging out and sharing the vibe. Do you find that you get a lot of people just come in because you're downtown now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was the last time we talked, I had a studio in the same building. It was oh, just okay. down the hall. Right. But I wasn't, my office wasn't out of there. I would only go there when I shot. This is different because now, my nine to five office is in the studio and so I'm always there and so I get to see more of the people that come by and there's a lot of other photographers that come by and hang out and a lot of assistants and you know I've had workshops here and whenever like the capture one guys from Atlanta or people like Leaf just came and did a demo there and you know I try to make it available for educational things like that so that's great now I have a question about on some of the photos that you have of the big space that you have. It looks like there's a large skylight with a, a domed silk or, or something that it, it kind of reminds me of like the Chimera light dome that they, they sell. Is, yeah, is that what I'm seeing? No, it's basically there's two skylights in the studio. One's a smaller one above the psych wall. And then there's a quite larger one that you're probably seeing by the windows. And that's just basically a giant skylight with a piece of silk just kind of draped over there. We kind of leave it there in the summer because it gets really not hot temperature-wise, but hot light-wise. And then we'll probably take it off pretty soon because in the winter, you don't really need it. It's, it's kind of soaked itself. <laughs> so we just kind of leave it there because, you know, what's interesting too is there's a guy that shoots in my studio that does a lot of headshot work and he swears that that one by the window is the best headshot location in all of Nashville. He swears <laughs> by it. And because between the daylight that comes in and he'll take a head and he'll bounce it off that silk. So he's basically like bouncing a silk into the skylight. Huh. But because of the silk is there, it kind of comes back down really nice and soft combined with the natural light. It's, it's pretty amazing. That's really wow. cool. Yeah. do a lot of bouncing into the ceilings a lot. I don't know more than most people do, but I do it whenever I can. <laughs> I had another question about the studio. Did You mentioned that it has a ton of really great textures. Did you introduce a lot of those because of your love for cool backgrounds or were some of them there? And what are some of the neat? spots that you found yourself shooting in? Most of those were there. I mean, obviously you can see there's a lot of brick, which can be a good thing or a bad thing, just depending on how you use it. But try to paint the walls fairly often. It hasn't been painted in a while, but that silver wall that you can kind of see in one of the photos, that may be a year old. And the uh, hallway at the very, the last photo on the studio page of the uh, red wall with the kind of silver wall on each side, that used to be a horrible, horrible color of like blue and green. (laughs) So there's been a lot of changes. I rent it to people. I have a a lady that takes my old office now that I used to have, and she just painted one of the walls chalkboard. And, you know, we're always open to trying new things, but it it hasn't changed a whole lot over the last year. But that one wall that you see right behind the couch, that can be taken off and moved uh, like six or seven different places in the studio because we have hooks for it everywhere. So you can move that around and do all kinds of stuff. That's attached to the ceiling then? Yeah, it's got like hooks in the ceiling. You can just take it off and move it around. Very cool. I think I spotted that on one of the musician photos, and I believe it's 28 of 36. You know, when you have a studio, it's really hard to shoot in the same location and make it interesting and not the same old thing. You know, you get to a point where you just really got to kind of be creative because it's not like you're walking in there for the first time. You're there every single day. And you guys never want to give someone the same thing as I gave someone else. So it's I'll hang wallpaper or, or I'll do whatever just to make the place look different. Like a lot of that stuff on that celebrity page was shot in that studio, but you would never know it. Right. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that oh. at all. 
Yeah. While we're talking about the celebrity page and how you get different looks and stuff, Bill, you had two images that you wanted to ask David about. Yeah, actually, they were both of Cody. Okay. I guess that's Cody Bender. Yeah, yeah. I was curious, since we're kind of getting into a little bit of detail about some of your images, the one with there's some small plastic things hanging all around him. Right, Are they right. light tubes? There's a, the building that we're in is like 100 years old, and the people downstairs just closed their business, but they used to have a store that just sold the most random, bizarre things like solenoids and just crazy <laughs> stuff. And every couple months, they would just pull a dumpster up and just throw a bunch of crap out that they didn't want or try to get rid of. And so every time they would do that, I would go dumpster diving. <laughs> and I um, found these things like just in mass in a dumpster, so I like in a box. So I just I was like, this is great. So just took them up and hung them, and yeah. I mean, he's a musician, so I figured they kind of looked a little like guitar tubes. Or yeah, they like, look like know, amp. amp tubes. Exactly. Yeah, and so, you know I mean, I'm all about the Home Depot, not for equipment, but for props. And so, if I have to jump in a dumpster, <laughs> I will, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. so. Well, I thought the image was also interesting visually because of the way you handled the focus, I guess I would say, or some of the fusion that's going on there. Is that in camera? Like, his eyes are sharp and some of his arm. Yeah, that was tricky because I remember I have shots of that with lighting, like with strobes, but they just weren't as moody. I mean, it looked, it was a clean, crisp, clear image, but it just didn't have a mood. It was just, and so this was shot under that skylight that we just talked about. And that black is actually black seamless paper. I don't, why it turned blue, I don't really know. Somehow when I shot it, I don't know even know what settings, it was probably like 40th of a second or something kind of slow, probably kind of a high ISO, but that's what came out. I mean, I did a little bit of tweaking in Lightroom, but that's pretty much what it looked like. And it just looked, you know, it wasn't crisp. It wasn't clear. It wasn't completely in focus, but it just had a more of a mood. And I'll take a mood and a feeling over like technical crispness. Also, I just remembered this photo has been upsized too, because I lost the original. (laughs) I had a I spent uh, $2,500 at drive savers um, oh, no. over, like a couple months ago. I two hard drives, not even because they failed, but by my user error failed. And I got everything back except for a couple things. And his shoot was one of the things that I lost. And so this is from my old site. I had to actually take in Photoshop and upsize it. So it also lost a little bit of quality that way too. Well, I think you said something though that's that's kind of profound in that you'll take something that has mood even if it's a less technically perfect image, I think a lot of guys would make the other mistake and go for the the crisper, better lit, whatever, so on and so on. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, photography to me is, it's all about the moment. And, and you know, it's the moment you capture it. It's not about the technical. And it goes back to like, are you trying to show off the photography or the person, you know? Are you trying to make an image that says, look how perfectly technical this is? Look, it's like so sterile. It's like, you know, it's why guitar players prefer the old tube amps to like some of the newer stuff or why people like vinyl over MP3s, you know? It's like sometimes there's no replacement for just good old-fashioned mood. That's a great sentiment. Or film over digital, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I'll never go back there. (laughs) I'm stuck in digital. (laughs) (laughs) If we have time for one more I was yeah. also interested, it's also a Cody image, but it got a shirt on with a British flag, and it looks like mm-hmm. he's pushing into water or something. Okay, that was, remember that bathtub that I shot that guy in? I told you about yeah. the guy with the, remember that I told you I went to Home Depot or Lowe's and bought a bathtub and stuck him in it? I do remember you, that, yeah. It's still, it's still on that site. Okay. Still see it on there. That's the same bathtub. Like, I kept that bathtub. I just threw it away like six months ago, but I kept that bathtub, and I used it a couple times. So that's the same bathtub, except this time I painted it silver. I painted the bathtub silver, tilted it up so it's standing up. 
stuck him in the bathtub, and then put a plastic tarp in front of him. Okay. <laughs> so, or maybe the plastic tarp was behind him, too. Right. Maybe I think it might have been like behind him and in front of him. Yeah, the tarp is in the tub and in front of him. Wow. So, and that's the kind of shot where, like, I almost have to tell the guy, "Look, I'm going to try something. It may come up. It may, may look stupid. You know, just trust me. I, I mean, I'm always having to tell people, trust me, because, like, I'll try things, and like, a lot, most of the time they'll look amazing. But I've had one or two times where my vision wasn't captured. But like, this is a time where you're like, look. Sticking you in a silver bathtub, the paint's still a bit wet, you're going to ruin your clothes, I'm going to put this plastic tarp on you, and I want you to stick your hands out, you know? That's great. But, but trust me. And so those are those trust me moments. So uh, you saw this image in your head before you set this up? No, I just kind of, you got to be really flexible as a photographer. you got to trust your instincts. Sometimes you know exactly what you're going to do, but this was, all I knew was I have this silver bathtub and I want to try to shoot a minute. <laughs> And then, <laughs> and then I worked out the details as we went along. And then I'm like, well, you know what? The plastic would be good. And it's like the plastic in there. Then I'm like, nah. Then I had to get the right angle. It's just, you know, you just kind of, it's like working in Photoshop, kind of. You know, you just kind of try something, add a little bit here, add a little bit there. And that's why you got to be flexible as a photographer. You got to have plans, but you you always got to be open to the the movings of your instincts or whatever. That's really cool. You've also not only got to trust yourself, but you've got to convince people to trust you because there's been things like that that I've done where I'm seriously, I've had to tell people, look, I know this looks really ridiculous. <laughs> like this background, like some backgrounds don't look the same when, when you shoot them. And I'm like, you just please, you'll be so happy when this is done. That's great. So tell us about Go Behind the Shoot. That is launching soon. I've been saying that for a while, <laughs> but it's, it's taken about a year now to get to the point where we're almost ready to launch. I had the idea, I kept seeing people's blogs pop up and people kind of giving instruction and like things like yours and like the strobist and all these kind of things. And I thought they were great. And I, I think there's a lot of education going around, but like some of the stuff and I'm not, it's not you guys and it's not strobist. So I'm not going to name who this is, but I actually bought some DVDs from this company or person or whatever, because they looked interesting about lighting and stuff. And I played them and it was like stuffed shirt, you know, shirt tucked in, tie, very boring, very formal. I felt like I was in driver's ed. <laughs> and I'm like, this guy may be teaching me some good stuff, but this is boring. And like, <laughs> there's got to be a better way to do this. And so I just had the idea where, you know, rather than being in like a suit and tie in an instructional environment on a white psych, why don't we do this in the real world on real photo shoots? And why don't we make it with interesting subjects where you can also learn about this musician? So basically, I mean, if you don't know what it is, it's a website where I don't do this on every shoot, but I certain shoots mainly for musicians, but I'm also open to doing some uh, athletes and actors and stuff like that. But right now we've got mainly musicians in the can, but we do the photo shoot. And as we're doing the shoot, I'll stop many times while they're changing the wardrobe so we don't slow the shoot down. And I'll give tips on why I'm using what lighting, why I'm using a softbox over a beauty dish or vice versa, or why I'm doing this with the camera or proper way to use a Gary Fong light sphere or whatever, you know, just whatever it is that I'm doing. And then um, so I give the instructional tips and then uh, you see the shoot, you get to see the, how we pose people and how we do things. And then at the end, since they are usually musicians, we'll get them to, we'll interview them and get them to talk about their music and their tour. And so people get to know them and then we're going to put it all on a, on a site where each episode will have its own page and you'll go to the, uh, we shot Chris Fly, remember him from American Idol? Yeah, absolutely. He's one of the ones that's going to roll out first. And so you go to Chris's page, he'll have his bio and his photo and links to his website, and you'll be able to download his song 
and watch the segments and you can either watch the instructional bits or you can just watch the interview with him. And it's meant to be educational, entertaining, as well as promotional for me. And we're also going to hopefully try to generate some income through ad revenues. Excellent. So I am really, and a friend of mine is doing all the videoing. His, uh, Bobby Marco of MarcoVisual.com. That's MarcoVisual.com. <laughs> he is um, doing all the shooting and editing. So me and him and another guy, we're kind of three partners on it. And so the third guy is like a social networking genius. He's got a lot of connections with a lot of social networking people. I can't say when it's going to roll out because I don't know, but um, most of the videos are in the can. We've got an initial three episodes we're going to roll out, and then hopefully it'll expand with blogs and forums. And I mean, I, I don't know what it's going to become, but I just I want it to be educational more than anything, and I, I hope that it is. So That sounds great. I can't wait. Yeah. Keep us updated when that hits the street, man, for sure. I'll put it on the blog, which that's another thing. I launched the site, and the blog was like dead for like weeks, but now I'm starting to update it regularly. So I hope those people that came there at first and, and didn't see any activity for like two weeks Welcome back. I'm trying to regularly update it now. So very cool. And I'm just kind of slow right now, to be honest. So I haven't had a lot to put on there. So I'm hoping that November is going to be a good month because September and October really took a hit. So, but, I, but I've had such an amazing year that I it's not even going to hurt me that bad. So that's excellent. Well, David, we thank you for coming back on the show and sharing with us. It sounds like you had a great year, and we really enjoyed hearing about it. So uh, appreciate you sharing. Yeah, no problem at all. I enjoyed it, and I hope to keep listening to all the other ones. They're always interesting. So, Thanks a lot, man. That's cool. Well, that's all we have for this episode of LightSource, the brightest podcast on the Internet. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode and all the other LightSource episodes at the website studiolighting.net. And you can also send us an email comment at studiolighting at gmail.com when you can send us comments, questions, or just images that you'd like us to see. And if you really want to get involved with some of the other listeners to the show, you can head over to the LightSource Flickr group at www.flickr.com slash groups slash LightSource. You can post your images and get feedback on your photography as well as seeing the things that we're taking pictures of. And as always, if you missed any of these links, our quick outro here, you can find all of that and more at www.studiolighting.net. Till next time. Bye-bye. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com.